be like myself anymore I'm like a lost key in the kitchen drawer Just waiting for someone to show me to the door Hey up, my name's Ben, and you're listening to File 47 of the YYY Files. This file belongs to someone who took his time to get into Stoke. In fact, for the first time in the files, we're not going to start off with the usual question. He also took an unusual route to get there, and it's almost an accident that he's a Stoke fan today. It just shows that there's more than one way to skin a hippo. Jamie Unwin, welcome to the YYY Files. Thank you for taking the time to come on. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks, Ben. How are you? I'm all right. I'm good. I'm good. It's um, good. Good. We've decided to do this on the hottest day of the year, which is a bit unfortunate. I'm struggling. I know you're struggling. For the sake of the recording, I've shut my window. You should be very grateful. Um, I've had to do the same. I was thinking you could have stick a fan (laughs) in the corner, but I thought, no, it's going to blow and you're going to hear a rustle, so I'm just... (laughs) I mean, I've had people on the podcast before and they've had air conditioning units going and cars driving by and I've not blamed them, but Mm. man, I'm I'm paying the price today. We're all paying the price today. No, I'll live with it for a bit, but yeah, it's not the ideal day, but never mind. See how it goes. I'd rather open a window (laughs) than pass out on 30 minutes in. Uh, so. That'll be good, but I'll just be silent and you talking. Right. But, yeah. Oh, nobody wants that. No, nobody tunes into this podcast <laughs> for me, mate. They tune in for the good Stoke fans like yourself. Um. Anyway, speaking of which, the Wow 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 files are Stoke City stories, and they're told by you. If you want to do exactly what Jamie is doing today, you can. Head to the wowwowfiles.com. Links in the description. And as I alluded to in the intro, I'm not going to start the podcast with the usual question. Don't worry, it is coming. Jamie is still a Stoke fan. We've not got a Closet Veil fan or anything like that on, or we could have done. <laughs> um, we'll get into that. So I double bluffed you. Double bluffed you. Indi- oh, God, this could be awful. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but I'm actually going to ask you to start off with, how did you get into football in the first place? So initially... I, it was back. A lot of people, their first even interest into football in general tends to be like a World Cup or international or Euros yes. or whatever. But why is that? Why do people love World Cups and international football? Like, like it, it, it was sort of my into football as well. I wasn't really a Stoke fan till I think around the same time as you, really. But I, mm. I, was, I, I was supporting England in the two thousand two World Cup, two thousand six World Cup. What? Why? Why? Why are we England fans first? I think it's just because it's easier to be able to talk about it. Like, for example, if I was if I was to go to school or whatever, because I, I didn't go to school around Stoke, and if I was to go and talk about a football team, I wouldn't necessarily have a clue about a Man United or Chelsea or even like a Stoke if mm. it was a smaller one or whatever, because there's so much variation. Whereas England, it's if you're English, you support England because it's just that, that's the national yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, And World Cup as well brought everybody together who's interested in football, let alone like a FA Cup or mm-hmm. Premier League where it's a lot more tribal and that's your team, you only want to, your team doing well. So you really talk to your other fans as well. Mm-hmm. But um, it was back in, um, yeah, 2006 World Cup because when I was in primary school and for some reason, I don't know what, I think the head teacher was actually a big football fan. I think he was like Carlisle fan or something, if oh, I remember. Wow. He's from Carlisle anyway. I don't know why I remember that, but the head teacher <laughs> was from Carlisle. It's like you'd find me school, I remember this. But um, yeah, I think he was a big football fan anyway. And he wanted to do a project where we all pulled a team name or national nationality out of a hat of one of the teams that were in, a, in the World Cup. Mm-hmm. That was at a very small primary school. It's like 30 odd kids in total. So that was just about enough to do a a World Cup. Okay, I yeah. think we had like 31 kids and it was 32 teams or whatever in the World Cup. Oh, so no. <laughs> bang on. I don't know why it was such a, it's just a small school in near Loggerheads just outside of Stoke or whatever, Newcastle. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, um, so yeah, we all had to draw a team out and do a, uh, a project on them, like, a, like how they did or whatever. And I got England. Oh, so that's like, fortunate, so easy. Yeah, because it's, it, I, I can watch all the games, I can get all the info I need like, because it's, it's our own team. Mm-hmm. So, pre- pre- previous to that, I do not remember watching any football at all. Genuinely cannot think okay. of anything. So, But I got into it, and I got into it so much at the time. I remember when it was the England v Portugal penalty shootout and Ronaldo getting Rooney sent off and the wink and all of that. 
And I remember I was losing on penalties and I was stood behind the sofa at home crying because like, oh, oh this is ridiculous, so unfair. <laughs> and I remember my parents being like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, because they'd never known me to have any interest in football whatsoever. Mm. And I don't know why I did, but I just got so upset by it. Whether it's because, I don't know, I got into the England bit, so it was just part of it. Well, this is why I think people get into this is why people get into gambling for me. It, it, don't be me wrong. I'm not endorsing gambling on this podcast necessarily, but I think that sometimes when you have a bet on a team or doing what you're doing with the projects, when you've got a, uh, an external interest in a team, mm. in a football team, it just adds another level to your interest. If you've got a bet on, normally you'd mm. be watching, I know, like the Champions League final. You wouldn't care who wins, but since you put a bit of money on it, then you actually want someone reason, to win. And, invested interest in and, somebody and, and, and you're with them, you're cheering them, you're booing the other team and it's it makes it more interesting and actually doing what you're doing. Okay, you weren't mm. an England fan necessarily to begin with, but I can mm. absolutely see why you become so invested so quickly. Yeah, yeah. And I got an England shirt soon after. I was like, I got Jamie because Jamie Carragher was playing. I thought, well, I don't really know any of the players, but <laughs> I'll get... J for Jamie, so there we go, that was that. Nice. And then I remember getting the, I got the Panini sticker book album thing. And again, I got so fixed on that. I've got, I got all the stickers eventually because I got about, I had like five remaining that I didn't have and it was like the really mm. rare ones like at the front and the back of the book where it's like the Panini like post post sticker or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And they let you, after so long, me, uh, send a letter into Panini to request which stickers you needed to complete oh. the book. And I did that. And I think it cost like, you had to pay like 10 quid or something for five stickers, which it wasn't, I was not saying it's a lot, but for five blooming stickers, it's it a is lot. a lot. But it, it was just so I could say I finished it. But um, yeah, so I got into it. But then as soon as the World Cup finished, I kind of lost, I wasn't really bothered by it anymore. Whether it was just because it was the event more than the actual sport or mm. team, I don't know. But I was dead into it at the time. But then after that, I didn't get into football properly still till eventually going to um, Man United v Leon in the Champions League quarter final in 2008. I think it was like beginning of the year 2008. Wow. So you went to this? Yeah. And wasn't wasn't like, oh, but I asked my parents, oh, really want to go, want to see this. Oh, uh, it was just, basically, I think my dad won some tickets through work, through some sort of, I don't know what the hell, some corporate prize or whatever. And it was for two seats at a table, like hospitality thing at the Old Trafford cricket ground. Oh, wow. And then two tickets for the game. And they, he was like, I don't want to blum go to the football game. Like, he just wants to go to get pissed, basically, at the, at the cricket ground, just for the, like, the social thing. Because we had like, I think music and a comedian and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, but he, so he, he went with a mate and they drove me and my, my dad's mate's son. We then went, I mean, he, he was a few years older than me. So we went and walked to the stadium, oh, Old Trafford, okay. which that was an event in itself because I've never, ever been to a football game. And it was a nighttime Champions League game, quarterfinals. So it wasn't like a, oh, it was a group stage one. I'm already through. It was an important game. I think they won it that year. I think that might have been the year they beat Chelsea in okay. Moscow or whatever. And uh, yeah, so I went to the game with my mate and that was my first football game. That's some baptism of fire, isn't it? It was a bit. I remember getting told off because again, I didn't really know what the, how you're supposed to behave at football stage. The new obviously people got rowdy and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, where our seats were, we were right up in front of the, I'm guessing it might have been ITV or whoever do did it back then, uh, coverage. Mm-hmm. And I was stood on the seats. I can't, I must've only been like 10 or 11 or so. No, a bit older. Maybe I can't remember what I, what I would have been then. Yeah. I would have been about 11. Yeah. I would have been at 11. Yeah. And I was stood upon the seats and I was just kind of like waving my arms up and looking the, the cameras behind, <laughs> you know, where the comment, like the pundits would sit yeah, and yeah. getting, the, I was getting a bollocking from the steward saying, get down, get down. And then, <laughs> Didn't really know what the issue was, but I just thought it'd be funny. And my mate was like, no, get down, like, behave, we'll get chucked out. And, and you don't want that. Grand. No, not the first anyway. game, especially. Yeah, exactly. So that was my first in-person game. And again, I still wasn't into football. My dad got me a Man United shirt because we went up to a stadium nearby and shot just because he thought, well, you've gone, like, it would be good to get your shirt. So I got 
an Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer shirt, Ooh. I remember. Yeah, and I don't know why I picked that one. I don't know why I did some of this stuff or what my selection <laughs> or reason was. Like, I get the Jamie Carver reason, one for England, worry. but I don't, yeah. Then after that, well, again, wasn't really into football at all, just had a passing interest, didn't support a team or anything. And then that same year, my parents and my, another friend decided to be the match ball sponsors for a Port Vale game mm-hmm. against not the county. Mm-hmm. And again, they had my, my parents' friends, they were Stoke fans. Right. But they just thought it was a fun thing to do at the time. Okay. So they were like, oh, go on. Like, we'll just do it. We'll be, we'll get, hosp- you get a hospitality thing and you get to have a meal and do all the shebang, all that type of stuff. So... We did that, and I thought, oh, it's just going to be like, oh, we'll be in a little booth and watch the game, and that's it, and you have a meal. And you, and you to some extent, you wouldn't be just in, like, the normal stand or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then we got there, and then they said, right, you're going to go down and meet the players before the game. And there was me, my sister, and she just does not care at all. She's not mm-hmm. football. She, she hates it. And I think my mum went down, because we had an adult need to go with us. I said, are you going to go meet the players? And I had... No clue whatsoever who anybody was of any mm. of, of a Port Vale players at all. I had I just I didn't have a foggiest. I didn't even know where Port Vale was until we got there. Like, I was that <laughs> clueless. Spirit. We don't know who they are. Yeah. So went down to the changing room and there's always blokes sat there, and it just could have been I could have been at the swimming baths and it's just a load of blokes getting changed. <laughs> they kept the shorts and towels up because I think they know there's kids coming in or whatever. So they can't be walking around with their bits and no no out. I feel like they'd be on some sort of register by the end yeah, of the minutes they would have been warned I would have thought yes I'd hope so but um I hope so but then I was walking around like saying oh can you sign the program please just trying to be polite mm. because I was so conscious like I don't know who any of you are but I need to kind of like show that maybe I've got a bit of interest but then then after that it got to just before kickoff and I'm like right you, you got to go down onto the pitch oh, I was like what the hell is this <laughs> so we all went down. We had to, had to walk out to the centre circle. There was, I think, a couple of other people, maybe like the match sponsors or shirt sponsors or whatever. And you had to have a picture in the middle of the pitch when you had all... I don't know, it's not a big stadium, but you still got a fair few thousand people there. Mm-hmm. And I was like 11 at the time. I was like, crap, what am I supposed to do? Like, you just go and have a picture and shake hands with the, the captains of each team. Yeah. And that was it. And again went back watched the football I was more interested in just because we were on like an upper tier bit so I was more interested in looking down on top of people's heads just out of curiosity to see <laughs> oh he's got a bold head or he's got this or, <laughs> or he's got a tattoo that's <laughs> what you get when you go to Vail then right yeah and I think it might I could be maybe it was, I think it was nil-nil or something I don't remember it being a goal but um, yeah and again left there was not bothered really I was like take it or leave it it was just something we did my mm. parents took us along to and that was it for football until then got into Sporting Stoke. Well, this is coming it. to going to Stoke. Oh, yeah. And this is where I, I I don't mean to cut you up, but this is where I've got to come in and ask a question because people will will of be course, yeah. people will be raving at me otherwise. After those games didn't give you the buzz. Why didn't they give you the buzz, do you think, actually? Before I do I ask. think I don't really know. I think again at the time, I think because um, the Man United game, I think it was just more my first football experience. But I didn't have like an... Because my mate was only a few years older than me. I don't, I don't know how we were even allowed to walk there on our own and get in, but, hmm. but we did. But I think it was more just being at such an event, more hmm. than it being football. It could have been cricket or rugby or whatever. I wasn't bothered. It was hmm. just seeing like 75 or 1,000 people. Like it was just in awe of the whole thing. Hmm. Then when it came to the Vale game, it was more because it was like the hospitality thing or whatever I was, and the parents was their first time kind of going to something like that I was just more like getting involved with them and just kind of enjoying the surroundings mm. but then when it came to eventually going to Stoke it was I was kind of primed and ready to actually get into it well this and, is it yeah. so here it comes then why 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 <laughs> are you a Stoke fan I want to know from the beginning it was basically Again, it goes down the route of the hospitality thing. It, this is really interesting. Up. I find this so interesting how you got dived into hospitality straight away. How how did that sort of come about for you? How did the initial ones come about? You said the you said Man United was through work. 
and then mm-hmm. your, your parents work, sorry, and then your parents just yeah. decided to sponsor a game down at Vale, sponsor a ball, or was it down at Vale? Yeah, um, just the match ball for the game at the time, okay. yeah. And then for, for Stoke, it was just... So maybe the Vale game gave them a bit of a fix. They were like, oh, we'd like to go and like get something to do every other weekend or every other okay. Saturday, like... So they got the ball. So... It, but in a different way, not necessarily for the football, just for the experience. Yeah, it was just to do something on a Saturday. Because mm. usually my dad would end up going to going either down to the pub or going shooting because he, he likes to do his clay pigeon shooting. So we'd go <laughs> off to like Dulwich over Utah or whatever. So like, oh, we'll do something. And that same year, obviously Stoke then got promoted into Premier League. Mm. And my dad's mates, they, he, he was a big Stoke fan. But again, at the time, he, just, he did the Vale one just because it was a laugh to do it. But he was like, he's going to get a table. And it was in a table in the, it wasn't one of the actual um, suites. It was in a big Tony Warrington suite. So mm-hmm. it wasn't the one where you got your own table and they could yeah, bring yeah, food yeah. into your own room. It's your own party. Like it was the big room. Where, I think you had like 50 tables or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, there we go. Perfect timing. Premier League football. And the parents aren't, they're not completely clueless to football, but they don't support a team. But we know Premier League's, big one mm-hmm, and you've got mm-hmm. Man United they know a Man United and oh that's a Chelsea or that's a Liverpool um, but other than that they don't have a clue mm. but um, yeah so they said oh right, we'll, we'll get I think oh it was me my sister my mum and dad so we got four seats for our lot as it were and then I think my dad's may got another four for his lot and then you could bolt on the odd one here or there as the season went on if you wanted the next person come but we had like eight seats in total for us so there would sometimes be an extra couple of people sat on our table or a few people, but that was always quite nice because different people to talk to. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it was literally my first Stoke game, therefore became the, the Stoke-Aston Villa game, which Aww. was probably one of the most... Yeah, it was any game, to your first Stoke game to go to, that's probably it. Yeah, I would say absolutely. that, maybe the Man City 2-0 where Arnie and Shaq ripped it up, maybe the Liverpool 6-1, that might have been more mm-hmm. novelty one, but... But but this had had a lot more riding on it, I think, because you know Stoke were they they'd just been paid out by Paddy Power to go down, and people were thinking, mm. you know, this is this is a huge game, being in the yeah. top flight for the first time in God knows how long, and mm. you know the, against Aston Villa were a big team then. They were huge. We had Martin O'Neill, and we had yeah. we still had like Gareth Barry there. Ashley Young was doing good. They were they were good. Too. They they were like um. I'd probably even put them a bit of a better than an Everton at the time. Mm. They were battling to try and get into Europe. Mm. That's how I got into it. So they, they got a table and we're like, okay, we're going down to football. We've got a seat. We've got a table for the season. I was like, that'll be every other Saturday. Like we'll just go down and watch the game. And the whole experience, again, you, you tend to get to the stadium about, or if kickoffs at three o'clock, you'd be there at like half 12 wow. usually. Or one, yeah, probably half twelve, and you drive. Or we used to get a minibus. There was a, t- a taxi minibus who used to pick us up and take us there because getting on that car park was an absolute nightmare. Even mm-hmm. if you get that early, it's more of getting off it afterwards. But um, we used to get there about half twelve, and you go up. You go up. Uh, I can't remember which side it was. No, oh, if you know it, it's, it's, the, it's the big main entrance where you've got the large glass windows. I think at the front. Mm. Um, so you go up in there and you go up some stairs and then you're in a big suite and there's a room full of people. I mean, what you'd usually do is you'd get your table and they'd have some tea and coffee for you. And then there was this old lady who used to come round and give you like raffle tickets. So you'd okay. the parents would give us a couple of pounds, get some raffle tickets and you'd win like a signed programme in a frame and stuff nice, like that if okay. you got it. And then you'd have like a free course meal. So you'd get to choose what you wanted. So you'd okay. have soup or... What? Yeah, no, we didn't have any. Oh. That's just you. Just remind me, they never did oat cakes. Oh, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, rice. No, that is actually crazy. Just thinking about it, they did rice pies at half time. Oh wow! Especially during the winter, and we had the meat potato ones. No. I used to, for some reason, I was dead fussy, so I used to just like to take the lids off all the pies and just eat the lids off oh, like, the pot. <laughs> <laughs> I was no. no. Uh, so my parents said there used to be a table full of just em- not empty pies but ones without the lids but yeah. whatever that's a whole other weird that's, that's just me being weird no you'd then have like your, your soup or whatever to start with or pate then you'd have your main and if it was a some sometimes they do like a, a bit of a roast and other times it would be 
I don't know, some sandwich, anything, just a, mm. a nice meal. And then you have your dessert. And then we also used to have um, Terry Conroy, the old VX, well, the Stoke legend. Mm. He would do the speaking during the whole thing. So he oh, would wow. introduce the game and what's happening. They might have a guest speaker coming before. He would do the whole shebang, basically, the whole commentary of it all. Mm. That'd be the speaker. So then we'd get to the game kickoff and you'd, I always like to get there like 10 minutes before kickoff because I hate being that one way, you're standing up, getting in the way of people and all mm. of that. But that was one annoying thing with being up in the hospitality area. You had the people who just, again, weren't really asked, but they'd rock up 10 minutes after kickoff and it's like, oh, for God's sake, mm. right? the least you can do is be there on time. Yeah. Like, as much as my parents didn't care, they'd get there on time. <laughs> fair. Yeah, and fair enough. Yeah, and then you'd have the game, and then half time would come about. You'd have your, your pie and coffee or whatever, and then you'd go out because there wasn't much time to do anything then. Then, after that, you'd have your full time, go back inside, and you'd have a, like a comedian would be there. So you'd have like okay. a comedy show. You'd have Man of a Match would come up. So they'd do like a five, ten minute talk about the game or what's going on or whatever. For Stoke, sometimes I can imagine the Man of the Match and the comedian being both the same person. <laughs> Basically, yeah, basically, <laughs> especially early on because they were like proper down to earth lives they could have been. But uh, yeah, it was it was great. And then you'd be there for about another hour and a half after the game of all this stuff going wow. on. Wow. And they'd sometimes do like auctions. Um, so, for example, they might have like, oh, my parents did it a couple of times where you'd, um, what, what, what did they have? They had it up in my, in, in, in my house. They had like a Matty Everton, one of the programmes signed by all the players. It was Matty Everton one. I think it was against West Ham. Okay. And they'd do these auctions off. And my dad at the time, again, he, he would have a few drinks. So he'd get a bit leery, he's probably the word to call it. <laughs> and we'd be sitting there and it'd be so funny because he'd be doing like putting your hand up, say bid, bid or whatever, whatever. And again, I, at my age, I didn't really care what things were worth. I just thought it was funny just the whole laughter of it mm-hmm. but you'd end up like going okay it's 250 300 350 pounds for this program it's like okay this is a stoke program for some mid-october game <laughs> against west ham like with surely it's not it. worth that with some squiggles on it but none of you lot care about other than me like you're being silly now but no all, it was such a great laugh it really really was and yeah we did that for it was all the Tony Pulis seasons. Wow. So whatever that was, is it 2012, 13 or something like that? Or 13? I can't remember exactly what year mm. the season. And then the Mark Hughes season, his first one. And then we stopped going after that just because it, it just didn't, it didn't carry on as well. It was got, it got, I think maybe because we were more established by then, it mm-hmm. got more expensive to go, but the quality wasn't quite as there. It didn't feel okay. as... I think maybe because it wasn't such, because Stoke were a bigger name, you had probably people coming from further afield to come. So it wasn't mm-hmm. such a local having a laugh with other people around the area type thing. It got a bit more cleaner to wear. Very words. corporate, right? Very corporate, yeah, exactly. And it just, it wasn't for them. And again, as my parents weren't all that bothered, they wanted to go for the laugh. When the laugh disappeared, they had no reason to carry on going. Right. So we all stopped going. Wow. So that, this is a very, very different side of Stoke and actually a very different side of football that I or most people listening are going to be used to. It, just just describing that Aston Villa game, for example, our first game you went to, what was going through your head at the time? At the time, it felt weird because it was, it was, it was such a nice vibe because I think every, even though you had the Bolton game beforehand, which again, even before that Aston Villa game, I didn't know Stoke lost to Bolton mm. badly in the whole Paddy Power thing. I did. I literally had no clue yeah, yeah, yeah. about what was going on beforehand. I knew they hadn't been in the Premier League before then, but other than that, didn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. So, but you knew there was a bit of a buzz, but again, it's because it's the first game at home in the Premier League. It was just amazing. And literally as soon as, I won't say as soon as it kicked off, that's unrealistic, but after that game, I was... Hook. I was so just wow. was in love with Stoke. That was it. I was like, that is it. I'm done. That's my team. Whatever happens, I'm supporting Stoke. Because it just, they just got the vibe. Wow. So what, what, what was different? What changed? Was it the team? Was it the experience was better? Is it? I think it was everything. I think it was so many different things. Like obviously the build up. Because again, I know it's not, it wasn't typical. It wasn't like 
it was different than what the normal fan would have experience wise so there was a lot more to it and a lot more you felt a bit more special is probably the word mm-hmm. to put it because you, you got a bit more treated and whatnot mm-hmm. so that was obviously nice then the game itself was obviously incredible like in terms of a game for your first game to get into football. Oh, I mean, it was just to, amazing, yeah. wasn't it, to be... Last-minute winners, Fuller's goal on its own was oh, amazing. Yeah. I still underrated, not in not Stoke, Stoke, Stoke is now, it's a great goal, but just in Premier League in general, if, like I said, it's a lot of times if Burkamp did it, it'd be the best goal in the world mm-hmm. or in Premier League ever. But because it's Fuller and Stoke, it's like, uh, yeah, whatever, fluke. But that was such a good goal. But it was... It was just everything. And even actually after the game, because where the Waddington suite is, just down the corridor to go to the toilets is the play, was the players' lounge at the time. <laughs> I don't know if it's still there or if it's probably different now and it's going to be some probably a hell of a lot better. But at the time, you could walk down to the players' lounge and you weren't allowed in, but you could, the kid, they had like one of these little, um, you know, the little tape things to stop cordons off so you couldn't mm. actually walk through it. And we had a guy stood outside it so people couldn't just wander in. Oh, wow. But you, we could go in like as little, go stand down at the bottom where the player would come in and you get view up the programme signed by well, every, literally everybody you can think of player-wise oh, okay. all the way up to like when we signed Crouch and whoever, you just stand there and get the autographs. And just the whole everything was just probably unrealistic or not normal, mm. but... To get me into Sport and Stoke, it was probably the absolute perfect experience. That's really bizarre. I just, it's it's odd how, because you had two different experiences to start off with, two very different experiences. So you had the you had the glamour of the Champions League, and you were in the crowd, and that didn't get you, even though the event was mm-hmm. good in itself. And then you had the experience at Vale, where you almost had the opposite, where you know you you had the proper treatment. You were able to go around the dressing room, be on the pitch that didn't excite you it wasn't even like feeling like you're an underdog in the lower league that didn't excite you Mm. it was almost like a blend between the two where you had yeah just a good time in the build-up and then for some reason you got hooked on the football at stoke don't me wrong the game was good but i mean you actually paid attention to the football and because of it this this love for Stoke and the mm. I, I'm assuming the association with that Saturday of just having a good time for you said from half twelve to I'm assuming gone six seven o'clock right yeah you had six, a seven full o'clock, afternoon yeah. evening of just associating yourself with Stoke yeah that's exactly it I, I do wonder if if Stoke didn't win that game in that fashion even or whatever, would things be different? But That's what I wonder as well. I wonder whether it was just the, the experience in general or whether it was because mm. of that game in particular. I think it helped massively because I even remember, because again, like you said, Villa were a big team then. Mm. And I remember, for example, like as soon as like it got to 3-2 and it was like, okay, we're pretty much there now, we'll be like pointing at the Villa fans going, who are you, who are you, and all that type of stuff. And I think all them little things just felt like you got the underdog vibe, but you also got the, but we're good enough. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. as well as just the whole experience of general, it was just a perfect blend. Wow. That's, of the whole match day. I, I love that. As I say, it's not an experience I've had myself. I'm assuming it's a lot of people listening wouldn't have had themselves. A lot of people will have been fans from the terraces. I was one of them. I, you know, I've... I've, mm. anytime I've seen football it's either been <laughs> on the TV or in the stands you know being in the thick of it yeah um, this withdrawn position for you must have been I don't know interesting almost like how involved do you feel while you're up there you feel a little honestly it feels a little bit different because because there was so much other talk going on, especially when the parents not being all that bothered, they were talking about whatever's going on, but whatever more interested in than, than the football. Yeah, were people around you not bothered either? They weren't watching the football, they were just there for the occasion. Not really, no. Like, they, they, I think, one, especially my dad's friends, when, when it got to kick off, they were like, okay, we're into it. And they were getting buzzing about it because they were fans, but he, they were much older and just knew to cut it off, or whatever. They could be like, okay, that's finished, the game's done now. Let's just enjoy the evening. Then I was like, though, at my age, it was all new to me. So I was just engrossed in it all. Hmm. And I was loving every minute of it. So I was like, 
oh, it's going down. Just uh, let's go and try and see some players in the players' land. Let's go and go go down, walk down pitch side. Well, we couldn't mm-hmm. go down to pitch. We could walk down to behind the 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 um, bench and mat. I was just loving every aspect of it. And I think they loved that I loved it because before that I didn't really have an interest in any like sport or okay. whatever. But I think they liked, okay, Jamie liked something now. He's got they were a, just happy he's, for he's you really and happy to keep taking yeah, you. Yeah, they were happy. Exactly. They, they, they were happy that they, they were doing something they wanted to do. They were happy that, okay, Jamie can go. Even if Shula was, she, my sister was called Shula. She was a few <laughs> years younger and she just went along because she had to. But they knew they could leave me on my own, in effect, and they knew I was safe and fine. That's probably a lot of it as well. I wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, don't go there, Jamie, don't go and do this, don't stay around, stay on the table ever. Hmm. Because of how, and I, I, I love Stoke. I think the people are amazing, genuinely hmm. the most amazing people in, in the whole country. It's so safe. And they were like, yeah, if you go off, walk with them, Lark, go, go down, do this. They were no worries about me going. I could go to the other side of the stadium if I wanted to. <laughs> and they would be like, yeah, go for it. So it was just a perfect mix of they enjoyed it and happy for me going. I just enjoyed the whole thing. And yeah. Well, I'm glad that you found your your niche at, at Stoke. That's great. Mm. Tell me more in that case about how you developed as a Stoke fan. You obviously went back in that capacity. You kept going to these match day experiences, mm-hmm. the hospitality. But tell me more about how maybe away from that, whilst the football wasn't on, away from the 90 minutes, I suppose, how did you develop as a Stoke fan? I think, again, we, when I was even at school, because that year was we were just we were, I was just going into uh, secondary school then, and even then, my I, I, I came from, a, like I said, a much smaller primary school. And I went to a larger school, like a thousand pupils, which I was like, what the hell is this? Like, I was so overwhelmed. Hmm. But I didn't have all that many, like a large friend group. And the friends I did have, they weren't bothered by football, really. They were like, just, again, similar to me, but they just weren't interested really full stop. So at school, I didn't really have much conversation for it, but... I think it was more, I used to collect as much stuff on a match day as I could. So you'd always get like a team sheet, like a printout A4. We'd get programs, obviously. And then I'd be on the internet, like on Sky Sports and whatever, just fully getting engrossed in football mm-hmm. in general. Just because of, I just literally fell in love with it. Not not, not just Stoke, Stoke more important than anything, but football as a whole, I just mm-hmm. loved it. And at that age, and even that age of Premier League or Stoke being Prem, Twitter and all that still weren't a big deal. No. Like, I didn't even know Twitter was fully about back in 08, 09. Yeah, they probably like, just started if something. Facebook had yeah. only just come to the fore. It certainly wasn't popularised for the use of football fans anyway. No, 100%. So, again, I think I just, at the time, it was just week by week or fortnight. Or, yeah, it was week by week because I'd still like be watching Sky Sports News and Soccer Saturday when the away games were on. So again, I was dead into that. But yeah, it was mainly just match day by match day, waiting for the next game to go along and have the whole experience again. And that's fortunate because Stoke were, as you say, in the Premier League again. And we just started, I imagine, being talked about on Sky Sports, certainly for mm. what was going on. I mean, the laps throws and being an underdog in the Premier League. Mm. I assume we were talked about quite a lot then. So, yeah. it, it, again, it all sort of felt at a good time, really, where you were able to yeah. get into Stoke outside of being at the football. Mm. Oh, 100%. Like, eventually when... Well, that's actually perfect, to be fair, because when Stoke, after the first couple of seasons of being in Premier League, that's when it was more recognised, OK, yeah, Stoke might be about for a bit. Mm-hmm. So that's when other people at school would talk, like, because most of the other people at school were like Man United or Liverpool yeah, fans, yeah, yeah. to be fair. So they were like, it's all generic, like fake fans, really. I've still been <laughs> to them. And then I was like, oh, I'm a Stoke fan. And especially then, it wasn't happen. Oh, well, no, it didn't tell. I did happen a lot. But when it would come up to like, oh, I'm going to go watch Stoke on Saturday and we would play like a Man United or Chelsea or whatever. And we or Arsenal, we beat them. Yeah, you could have such a laugh talk to people because they were like, "Oh yeah, Stoke crap, Stoke crap." But then it would come to actually playing us, and <laughs> like, "Yeah, we beat you one nil. Yeah, we beat you two one." So eventually, as Stoke got more established, it was easier to talk about it more 
with everybody else. Was that the side of it you liked as well? Not only being able to talk to other people in your personal life about just having a new conversation starter, but almost like having those bragging rights over people. Yeah, hundred percent. Because again, because every other people like I had a mate. I did have a mate. Eventually, a Man City fan, but he was a Man City fan before Man City. I don't know why that was because I couldn't <laughs> think of any other Man City fan. But, but he was a Man City fan before the money, hmm. and especially him being able to take the piss basically go like yeah you signed Rubinho you signed these places or whatever like a Santa Cruz I think it was that was a big one at the time mm-hmm. like but you still lost a Stoke so it doesn't matter yeah. you can sign all these places you still lose a Stoke and we would be like if we'd be 13 15 whatever it just didn't matter I think as much as obviously staying up was priority but the biggest buzz you could get was just the fact you said yeah we beat you though and that's it that was our title is to beat these teams that would look down on us mm-hmm. and that was such a great thing to be able to talk about did people know that you were viewing or watching stoke from the top box in the hospitality or did people think no. that you were in the stand no they thought you were in the stand they, they, they didn't i don't know if many people knew i was going just because i didn't really talk about it all that much because mm. nobody else initially was all that interested but then when it kind of got more comfortable talking about it, we had a, we had like a table up at this, in the in the suites and all of this and all of that, and eventually a couple of times I took a couple of friends to go along mm-hmm. just because I don't know it was nice to be able to get some mates involved. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah, people start to be more interested. Oh, you at the game or what was that like? But again, because at most games people didn't care if Stoke were playing like a Stoke v West Ham, it was only the games where we were playing like Stoke v. Chelsea, Stoke v Man U, Stoke v mm. Liverpool, where they would actually want to have a chat about it because it's like, oh, yeah, up the Stoke again now, let's see what's going to happen type <laughs> thing. So again, it was few and far between many conversations. It was actually, to be fair, some of the teachers, you could probably have more of a talk about oh, wow. it because they probably lived locally and more adult and mature. So they were like, oh, I live, I live over in Stone and yeah, I'm a Stoke fan or whatever. Yeah. So you could probably talk to the teachers more because they're a bit more mature about it and would support mm. the local teams rather than a lot of our generation <laughs> yeah yeah i've been there mm. done that through school and yeah a lot of people just pick a random team and stick with it fair play to them exactly it's a different way of supporting football but i guess you were yeah. supporting in a typical way either so i can i could understand for example how you know you might have turned up to school one day and all of a sudden you're a stoke fan when stoke were doing well and people might have thought oh hey we've got glory on our hands but exactly. Actually, it wasn't. Yeah. It, it wasn't like that, was it? Really. It was just timing. It could, yeah. it, it could have probably been the season before, and it probably would have been if we had if we had a table then and had the old experience. It was just that particular season and that particular time, mm. and it just yeah, it looks like it, but it genuinely <laughs> isn't. It was just right time, right place. That's it. Speaking of which, then so that time you said you were up in hospitality through the Pulis days. And mm-hmm. just at the start of the Mark Hughes days as well, which I think I touched on before we went on air, actually, how that period for Stoke was perhaps the least glamorous. Don't be wrong, very successful mm. and very entertaining from that point of view, but but certainly not glamorous. Yet you were in the most glamorous position or one of the, the most glamorous positions in the stadium. Mm. Tell me about some more experiences, ones that... what. What are your strongest memories from from your time in the box? Oh, well, uh, touching on a bit about when it was like the transition from Pulis to Hughes, that was weird because, like I said, it was it wasn't Stoke alone by then at all because it hadn't really it just started. I remember because we, I think we think we signed Mark Munyesa then, but because he was like a free agent, not free agent, but he was a free transfer in Barcelona, he hadn't really played to Barcelona all that much. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, that's not really a Barcelona signing. <laughs> but the hospitality and all of that was still very much, there was such like, I think, a culture change, not just on the pitch, but off the pitch, behind the scenes, mm-hmm. when it became Mark Hughes and a lot more clean and proper modern football. Mm-hmm. So, but it, but in terms of like the match day experience, it didn't really change all that much that first season. But you could tell like certain players we'd sign maybe were like uh, they're not quite like the typical Stoke player. Mm-hmm. Where because he, he, a Crouch, Crouch is he a wasn't typical, typical was he? In he terms was expensive of, for a start. <laughs> he was expensive, but he was somebody though. 
if you if you if you put like the likes of I don't know Liam Lawrence, Carl Dickinson, Peter Crouch in a room together, they'd not really have much of a relation. Carl Dickinson and Liam Lawrence to Crouch, no. but I bet they'd get on like a house on fire. Oh yeah, because they're that type of people. Like they just and you know Crouch has all the podcasts and stuff now. He's obviously talkative, and I think that was huge for being a Stoke player. It was just being relatable, mm. somebody you could get along with. And not obviously Mark Mark Munier, so everybody loving loves him. But <laughs> it was a different type of love rather than like, oh, I'd go down to a pub with him. I don't know, Mark Munier's probably a pub type of person you'd go and have a pint with. Mm. He'd be a laugh and you could get on with him, but he wouldn't be that type of person. So it became a bit more pristine and clean and a bit too... It just wasn't as much as a of a local laugh to go Did you into. get the feeling that Stoke were starting to... Obviously, they were doing so in hindsight, but did you get the the sense or the essence that they were changing their identity on and off the pitch you said yeah. I mean like they they were transitioning from an underdog in the Premier League to we're established now we've got to act as proper as we can and that includes yeah. even the finer details down to the hospitality off the pitch as well yeah so like for example sometimes during like the earlier years if we were to like um, be in the suite uh, or in, in the in Warrington suite you get players just walking through casually just to go I don't know to go and speak, see somebody else and then go back to players lounge whatever and just catch up with people and just and it was like oh there's Andy Griffin hmm. I, I remember uh, Andy Griffin at the time actually we were, I went I saw him walking past a few times and each time I went up and got got a programme signed because I think some of the other people are can you go and get a programme and I was happy just to run up and down and get them signed for people <laughs> And then, so I think I must have been like three or four times I'd gone to him. And then I sat down again. And then about a couple of minutes later, I had these two big hands smack me down on the back of my shoulders at the time. I was like, fuck, you know, what's this? And he went, you got any more programmes to sign? I was just like, no, I'm okay, thanks. And but that would not happen. Yeah, I was like, it's Andy Griffin at the time. I, don't, I can't remember if he was Stoke captain at the time, or at least one of the kind of leaders, definitely. He certainly, yeah. He was one of like the, the voices because mm. quite you think about like when he had a fight with Fuller and that, but not go into that necessarily. But he was definitely <laughs> a voice, that's for sure. But things like that were so normal. But then mm. when it became a little bit more pristine, and you could argue maybe even when we signed like because Mzonzi was a Pulis signing, mm. you could tell maybe that's just a bit of cultural thing, or maybe because I don't know, just I might have just been him, but it was a bit more. Don't touch your players. Let them do what they need to do. Yeah. A guard with them, for example, and they'll get from it and just leave them alone and you'll get a time to see them or speak to them mm-hmm. or whenever, if, if at all. Um, but there was definitely a change and like, especially when it was the Hughes era, players would have a bodyguard around them all the time. You could not go near a player and you wouldn't allow to interrupt them if you were, they were mm-hmm. going from one room to the other to the lounge. But, yeah, it changed a bit and also I think from a parent side of things, it got they didn't enjoy it as much. The prices got a bit more expensive because Stoke were more established. So they could probably say, okay, we'll get a few extra quid here because Stoke are proper Premier League. Mm. And they were like, we're not going to carry on paying silly money for something we're not really enjoying as much. I could have carried on going, but that's because I was a huge fan <laughs> at that time. But obviously I wasn't in a position to say, no, keep, keep the table. Yeah, like, yeah. I want to go. Yeah. <sighs> Do you think at that time Stoke got too big for their boots? They, that seat, that's again, I think by that season was such a weird one. At the time, it felt a bit like, oh, what's Stoke doing here? This is a bit like, mm. this isn't really a Stoke thing to do. But that's why then I think the whole transition into Stoke alone was so important mm. because there's actually a substance to the way we're acting. Like we are having to act a little bit more prim and proper here, but it's for a reason mm-hmm. and we're actually good at what we do now. So it was, it was for the better good, but. It was, it was definitely a, a transition and it felt a little bit more snooty, but it was probably becoming proper Premier League, not just, oh, it's little old Stoke in Premier League, it's mm. Stoke Art Premier League. I just found it's, it's, it's interesting how that was obvious from the top down. They, they clearly made wholesale mm. changes. There must have been conversations oh, in the club going like, right... We we can't be this underdog anymore that that that, that people take the mick out of, or they didn't. Well, want they stopped to doing. Be they stopped the doing a comedian that year. Right. They stopped wow. doing a comedian because it was like the comedians were. I I, I grew up in parents. I, I was very adult humour, 
and the comedians were funny. They weren't rubbish ones, like, they, they were funny as hell. And they stopped that as soon as it was like, um, well, maybe they did the odd one here, I don't know. I don't remember any comedians mm. in the last season. And I can kind of probably guess it's like, okay, this is probably, if we've got corporate people coming from even overseas now, this might not look good if they're doing certain jokes that <laughs> might um, rub people up the wrong way, so to speak. So you could tell that there were changes to make them more established or fit in line, so to speak. Mm. Okay. So eventually you weren't able to do this anymore. You weren't able to mm. go into hospitality. You still got your stoke fix though, right? Yeah. So by that time, Stoke Twitter and football Twitter in general are like were huge. Yeah. They, that, that, that was the established thing now. I think it's been like that for probably seven, seven odd years now mm-hmm. at least. So it was dead easy to be able to continue to follow Stoke, even though I couldn't go to games as often. I think actually from since then, I've probably only in person been to about I want to say like five, six games. Okay, since, since since then? Yeah, it was, again, a mixture of, at the time, I was still like, I can't really get over, because I, don't, I didn't live in Stoke, we lived out outside Newcastle, mm. out towards a bit the west side of Newcastle, so going to like Nantwich Way. So to get to Stoke, at my age, just wasn't really practical. Mm-hmm. So, but coincidentally Stoke Twitter blew up or I said football Twitter in general so to actually watch and follow football was just easier and you Mm. could get like the live tweets or whatever it was just so easy to know what was happening Mm -hmm. so I didn't really feel it it wasn't so much missing out it was just a different way of doing it Mm. and again knowing that because I'd only grown up with the hospitality thing so I was always must mean Snoopy but I wasn't all that bothered about going in the normal stands mm. it feels weird now because actually if I had to pick one or the other just going in the normal stands is just as fun in a different really? way okay it's just you feel a lot more that you can just get away with being relaxed and not having to sit down have your meal and all of this and <laughs> stay you could just rock up. yeah exactly you could, yeah you could just be more relaxed about it and not like Christ when you have the likes of like Terry Conroy doing the speaking and that because he, he, he was good mates with uh, my dad's mates. They, they, they got on. So he would mm. come and sit with us for like 10, 15 minutes of, and during the, the, the whole thing. And you didn't want to say anything bad about, oh, he's doing crap or he's doing shit or whatever, because mm. he was part of Stoke and, he, and mm. he probably had shared opinions, but he probably couldn't say certain things. Mm. Whereas now when you're in the stand as a normal supporter, you can be a lot more free in what you say, what you do yeah. and just... Yeah enjoy the football just what you're going for that's good i think i i like how you've got both sides but i think it's good to know that even though we're missing out on a different experience we're not missing out on i'm talking about people who've not been to the hospitality mm. we're not missing out on a uh, a better experience up there no it's just different yeah it's i would and I'd say if you got the chance to go, it would be definitely worth it if you it wanted sounds to. Good. Like, it sounds like maybe if you're not particularly a fan of that club, if you got a chance to go and do one, I don't know, maybe a mm. lower league team or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, although to be fair, you got that vibe at Port Vale, didn't you? And it wasn't quite the same. Stoke were just on the right level. In hindsight, if I was to go and do it again, I was like, if it's a one-off thing, and I'd be like, okay, me and, me and a group of mates want to go, but we want to have a bit of an event of it. I would go to a lower league game, like a, a league one, do the hospitality thing at one okay. of them. Because it, you'll get a bit more of that local community feel, a bit more, hey, let's go and have a laugh, but you got the whole event around it, meal and whatnot. Hmm. But it's not too prim and proper where it's like, okay, it's Premier League here or even Championship. You've got to sit down, you can't say this, you can't do <laughs> that, you can't speak to players. That would be my thing. Go to like a League One hospitality. I think that would be a good laugh. That's really interesting. I I will consider that as we move into more normal times. Yeah, yeah. But coming back to you a bit more then. So you say you've been to a handful of Stoke games in the stands. Mm. My first question for that is, I guess, which ones? So the first one I remember going to after we kind of stopped going was... I think it was an FA, it was either a League Cup or FA Cup game against Swindon. 
and it was when I think was it Swindon I think it was Paolo Di Canio was manager then so that's going yeah, back a few yeah. years and I went with this was a mate who was a Man City fan and I think we eventually lost it but I remember leaving at, at, at the full time mm. and I forgot at that time you had extra time in the, in the League Cup so he missed like another half an hour eventually we lost it so I was like oh that's I'm not, I haven't missed anything but we left the stage and we weren't allowed back in after we left I was like oh for God's sake so that was that but that wasn't really miss anything we then actually we actually did actually I forgot to mention we did a couple of Europa League nights as well I mean, oh, we did that nice. Valencia game we didn't go away to I haven't been to an away game for Stoke but we did the okay. um, Valencia home game that was very good for hospitality that, that was good but again that was more of a okay this is probably for going a bit at the time, Valencia was still a big, big club. Yeah, I was like, gonna say, and you're in Europa League. This is a big deal now, right? You're in tracking. Yeah, that's like everybody. Because they were a Champions League team that got knocked down into Europa League this one particular time, no doubt about it. So it was a big deal. So yeah, that was actually a lot of fun. Them Europa League nights doing them because I went. I think I went to most of them as well. Hmm. But then after, yeah, when when we stopped going, I was for the Swindon game, and then. I did the League Cup game, which was the one before when we played Liverpool at home I and mean, enjoying the Hughes yeah, era and um, yeah. we lost 1-0. Lost. I think Joe Gomez scored. Yeah. And because I went with a mate, we went to we Sat Boomin end actually, and my mate was a bit he's a big Liverpool fan. And I said to him, Oh, by the way, I've got tickets to the Boomin end. And he didn't really understand what it was about. But I said, just because I wanted to get because I was like, fuck, I'm not gonna miss out on going on the Boomin end. I thought it'd be right, laugh. And it was. Hmm. I was like, you need to behave because you will get your head kicked in if you start cheering because this is a big game for us. Like, we have a proper <laughs> chance here. So do not... So credits to him. He, he acted up. He acted disappointed when they scored. And we were right next to it because we were right behind the goal. And I think it was like a quick cross or something like that. I don't hmm. know what happened. But then obviously the game after the next game, that's where I think Stoke had their downfall was after that um, Liverpool away game where we actually won that game then lost on penalties but anyhow um, the most recent game I've been to was the Sheffield game on Boxing Day nice that's the a good pick 3-2 yeah I got some tickets for so we got I got two tickets of that and I didn't expect much from it to be fair because again Stoke yeah. were, were picking up a little bit but it was still my my O'Neill was bedding into it was just a Boxing Day treat right yeah, it was just, okay, let's go and watch football. Like, yeah. It was just to do something. And I remember we were so half-tempted to leave the game early because we were like, oh, this is going to be absolutely <laughs> oh, crap. no, no, like, no, no. Yeah, I was like, so glad I didn't. I never shouted so much and got so like worked up before in my like any Stoke games, even when, because I was probably one of the louder ones when we were in the hospitality thing, and that was mm-hmm. being a kid, just because I loved like standing up, especially like we're playing United, whatever, shouting, who are you, who are you, and all this <laughs> and all that. But that Sheffield game was, I'd never, I've lost, I lost my voice for like three days after that. I was so pumped up it was for amazing, it. And it? even he was like, I'd never seen you like that before. Yeah, like, yeah, he was yeah. like, Jesus Christ, like you got so into that. <laughs> but yeah, that was a great game. And obviously since then, there was only a couple of, I was supposed to go to a Rangers game, in fact, but that got cancelled off because of okay. weather. But other than that, yeah, I've not been to a game since and well, not a lot of people have. Wow. So been to a handful mm. so you've got twitter and mm-hmm. that that's just what keeps you going then otherwise you're just a fan yeah. from afar almost because with stoke twitter especially even yourself like people like you and then the bear pit was personally a lot bigger back then it's not that was quite as prominent as it used to be perhaps mm-hmm. and other chant fan groups or just individuals like you, you, I personally found yourself to be quite interesting to follow on Twitter I think followed you for oh. a few years at least well thank you and um, <laughs> I've got one fan <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's just nice to be able to, to follow people who I want to call it more it's, educated sounds like you're using statistics and all of this rational, which you not you do at times but rational yeah mm. like actually okay you understand why somebody might do this but you also understand why people would be annoyed if somebody did mm. that so there's so many ways to view Stoke on Twitter and there's so mm-hmm. many ways and you, you can pick and choose what you want to see even when it is getting bad it's hard I'm going to say can, it can be as dangerous as it can be interesting yeah, oh, 100%. It's it's interesting because it's nice to see other people and you can, like, especially Stoke, Stoke Twitter got, uh, themselves got 
better as it went on. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to get involved with that and pick and choose what you got involved with. But um, yeah, it was mainly just stoked Twitter before after this after not going to the games wow. every week basically. That's interesting. I'm assuming you caught up with Stoke highlights and stuff as well, did you? Or? Oh yeah, massively. Yeah, oh, yeah. I watched on all the highlights on YouTube and on the Stoke website when it actually worked and you could sign in <laughs> with accounts. But yeah, that was just a pain in the backside, but never mind. Um, but yeah, that that was all good. And especially even now, like you go onto like Sky Sports app within. 20 minutes after the game finishing, you go on to video highlights and you can mm. watch the goals for championship games. It's yeah. so just easy to watch anything you want to now. Yeah. It's, it's a shame because it's it's just giving to you on a plate so it's less of a, you've got to go and make the effort to go and follow your team and find out stuff. But it does make it easier. I was going to say, you're, you you are making the effort. A lot of people, I I... I, I wonder after not having that experience down at the top box and not being able to go to games usually in the stands on your own would have probably just give up at that mm. point but it clearly mm. made a big impact on you being in that hospitality suite that oh, you 100%. still I can hear it in your voice and actually being on this podcast for one just shows how much of a Stoke fan you are mm. it was just everything about it was such a great time I don't remember ever like I remember there's so many memories of going there, like, again, not just during the games, but after the games or just after, like, I remember the crouch goal against Man City. I remember bursting into tears. I burst into tears when Matt went in because I was like, because I I need to go to the toilet as well not long after. I remember (laughs) crying on the steps, walking up into the thing. I was like, I can't move. I was just like, I'm crying. And my mum had to take me up. I was like, but I want to watch, but I need to go to the toilet. And then... I was I was in the toilet. Men remember that Yaya Torre scored the equaliser, and I was I, I didn't go out to watch the rest of it because it was like I had to sit inside and watch it on the tellies because I was sat at the table like I can't watch it. I'm so upset. Like we don't deserve to lose. Just please don't lose, and we didn't in the end. But like stuff like that, I'll always remember. And even after the games, like for example, for some reason I don't know why, but there was my, my dad's mate. His uh, grandson would come with us as well. And he was outside after the game, down near the stand or where where the seats were. And we played Chelsea that day. I don't know what the score was or whatever. But he 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 came running up saying, "There's Frank Lampard and John Terry down here." I was like, "You are." But then obviously quickly ran as soon as I heard him say it. I thought, "Go and have a look anyway." And he was like, "Oh crap, they are." And they were basically you know, where the players walk out of the tunnel. They were stood down there. I don't know where they were talking to some. I don't know who they would have been talking to from Stoke at the time, but. I, I definitely remember Lampard and Terry being there and it might have been, I don't want to say drug, but that's too obvious, but it could have been like a Maluda or somebody mm. um, being down there as well. And he was he was ahead of me and I was like bolting it to try and get down there because I was like, I need to meet them. I just, I, mean, I know these, I want to see these guys and speak to them. Mm. I remember jumping over because I had like large concrete barrier things to like drop down into the rest of the stands, like where the average kind of fan would sit. Mm-hmm. I remember just not remembering that it's quite a drop. It's like, not a big drop, it's like maybe a six foot drop or whatever, but when you're not expecting it, it's a big drop. <laughs> it's a big drop. And I remember, yeah, and I remember bolting over it and falling down and landing on my arm so badly. And I was lucky it didn't break anything. I don't know how, because it's obviously all concrete <laughs> or whatever. But I remember just bolting it and being like, I've got to meet her. And I saw them briefly and I said, oh, I have a... a nice to meet you or whatever wow. and that was it I didn't have a phone at the time so I wasn't like oh can I have a picture or whatever oh. I was just... but it's in your head it's in your head and that's what matters right oh yeah so no I have so many memories even though it was for like half the Premier League year but then like I said now I follow it on Twitter and all of that it's just a different way of following mm. it but mm. I've grown up through that era of Stoke football Twitter Matt, so I'm used to it it's the norm for me well we're going to cap off this half by you taking all that into consideration and I want your best experience as a Stoke fan so far. Best experience, okay. <laughs> sure thing. I'd say I can't actually remember the game. I, I genuinely can't remember who we played, mm-hmm. but it was it was during the winter and it was snowing so badly. Mm-hmm. I've never seen snow like that at the stadium. I think I remember it being paused briefly part way through, perhaps to get the like, you know, get to show the lines again. Was it a cup game? It might have been like, 
Was it I Man United? For some reason, there, there have been Man United always seem to be one of them teams who play in the snow. We always seem to play on Boxing Day. I, remember. Mm. I always remember Man United being Boxing Day because I remember looking forward to it when we used to go because like mm. oh, Boxing Day is going to be Man United. For some reason, I thought like a Sunderland or something, but I could be wrong. For some reason, I can't remember the team. But it absolutely tipped it down with snow. <laughs> and the whole getting to the stadium was tricky enough as it was. Mm. But then partway through the game, it got worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And it carried on getting worse and worse. And I remember the game finished. I can't, I can't even remember the score or anything like that. But about 15 minutes after the game, the pitch was just covered and really, really covered. That was a proper blanket of it. Mm. And we were like, we have to like go because we can't, we're not going to be able to get home. We're going to like, they were talking like, okay, we might have to have people stay at the stage and like in the suites, like oh, wow. stay the night. But we're like, okay, we're going to go, we're going to go because I think they were in like a, I don't know what car, it was, it was like in a, some sort of dis- discovery or whatever. Mm. And we were leaving and it was just such a laugh trying to get out of the stadium <laughs> and uh, driving around Stoke. It was, and I, we didn't have a clue. It was so bizarre. They were like, I don't know where I am. Like it was wow. the most snow I've ever seen in my life. And it was just, I know it's not specifically Stoke City, but it was because of that. It was that particular game. Yeah. I remember it being just a nightmare to get out. And that sticks in my head so much of like, because we didn't leave the game straight away as well because of the whole hospitality thing. The snow continued and carried on, carried on. Mm. And we were there because I think they gave it. It was either you go now or you wait and maybe it'll be a bit better. And I think we decided to wait and it didn't get any better. Mm. So it carried on getting worse and worse. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, we've got to go. And I remember having to get out, push the car at times. And we had to like, drive down through up Newcastle. So going at like Bassford Bank or whatever. And all them places would be a nightmare. Wow. So I know it's not specifically Stoke. It's but not, it just, it but you know what? I, 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 I like that. It's a really niche memory. Like, it's not your wet and windy night in Stoke. It's your snowy, flurry night in Stoke. <laughs> I don't even remember that many. There obviously were lots of them, but it never... <laughs> Christ, maybe it's but Maybe being in that particular stand, you didn't feel it as much. But mm. I don't remember being there. I remember it being very cold at times. But I think that's everybody. But I remember it being really cold at Stoke. Mm. But I don't remember too many, this is unbearable, oh. wind and cold. Maybe because we're all a bit used to it, again, because it's Stoke. But and maybe being a footballer in shorts and short sleeved shirt, you're mm-hmm. going to feel it a lot more than anybody else. You're probably maybe a little bit more warm with a three-course meal inside you in a pie. Or half yeah, I suppose, pie, yeah. <laughs> a pie lid and a, and a bit of a drink. We have to make do with a bovril down at the... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we ever had bob. No, we never had bovril as well. We we never had oat cakes. We never had bovril. It was just you meat potato pie that we used to bring out at half time. That was it. Wow. So I, I would prefer what you guys had. To be fair, that would have been better. But you have to come mind. down again and 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 we'll they get you properly initiated with an oat cake and a bovril. Tell you what we had. We had meat potato pies and then we also had tea cake. Like uh, like a um, not tea cakes. I mean, like if you have like afternoon tea, you yeah, have like yeah. your little tarts and stuff. They had that stuff. That was like. Oh. Felt weird, but yeah. We'll get you properly sorted with an away day someday, mate. I'll, I'll, I promise I'll love you that. To do. We should yeah. do that when we can 100%. do that. We shall do that. Um, mm. And actually, that's a good time to draw a line for the first half, I think. And I'm going to call a break here, and that means I ask a break question. So I'm going to ask a question now. This one's more of a hypothetical one to what we've been asking. This one might take you a little bit longer to think about your answer, but that's good because I don't want your answer now. I want your answer after the break. So imagine that you didn't fall in love with Stoke through those match day experiences, but instead you got into football through your initial games. Out of Man United in the Champions League or slumming it with Port Vale, which would you rather be hooked on? And as I say, I don't want your answer now. I want your answer after the break. And with that, that brings the A side of File 47 to a close. I love the way that Jamie got into Stoke. I feel like it's really unique. It's a story again. We won't hear it on this podcast. And speaking of which, it's, it's why I love this podcast. I really do feel like we get stories on here that you probably won't hear anywhere else now that's up to you whether they're stories you want to hear but if you've got this far on the podcast and i'm assuming that that is the case uh i love them too and i'm really pleased that uh, i'm able to share stories like this stories ones like jamie had because i don't think you get them anywhere else nobody's mad enough to tell them anywhere else 
Speaking of which, in the B-side, Jamie will be talking about more about what it's like for him as a Stoke fan today and how he and others might feel about that. And you can hear that about a week after this A-side going live, so make sure you keep an eye on your podcast feeds for that. And of course, just a reminder, as always, that this show really does rely on people like you to take part. You can head to theyyyyfiles.com and click Get Involved to find out more. You can send a message to at theyyyyfiles on social media or an email to theyyyyfiles at mail.com if you've got any questions for me at all. That just needs me to say thank you very much for listening. And until the next one. But don't forget, it could be your file one day. Visit Anita Fortier. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. So rigid lately, you think I've been well.